Now, we began to look at something last week, and I want us to continue, but we are not going back to what we've talked about. Maybe just to refresh your minds a little bit, we started looking at the subject of what? Leadership. My topic last week uh, is developing your leadership. Everyone here understands right now, I mean, if you were here with us last week, you now know that you are a leader. Say it with me, I'm a leader. Say it with me, I'm a quality leader. Good. So you are a leader, and the first person you lead is who? Come on, say it like a minute. Who is the first person you lead? Good. You are a leader, and the first person you lead is you. Amen. We said it's important that you, everyone understands this by now. You are a leader. That's a fact. Amen. You are a leader. So you lead yourself. So leadership begins with who? Leadership begins with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Today, I want to look at, let's, do, let's look at this, qualities of a leader. Qualities of a leader. So since we've established that leadership begins with me, and we've established that everyone here is a leader, let us consider seven qualities of a leader. I want to say seven. seven. There are seven qualities of a leader that I want to speak to you about today. And I want your hearts open to receive because you are a leader and God wants you to be an effective leader. Amen. God does not want you to be a weak, poor leader. God wants you to be an effective leader because God wants to do so much through your life. Can someone say amen? amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your word. The Bible says the entrance of thy word bringeth light and understanding to the simple. And so, Father, we approach your word reverently this morning. We ask in the name of Jesus that you will speak to everyone today, that every heart is receptive and every mind is awake, and that the seed of the word of God shall be sown in each life. I thank you, Lord, that as your word is sown in each person's heart today, it will bear much fruit. We give you the praise and the glory. Open our eyes to see how to lead and, and, and help us with your wisdom and your grace to be effective leaders even in these last days. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone shout. Amen. Amen. Go with me to the book of Psalms 78. I want to read the book of Psalms 78, and I want to read verse number 72. Psalms 78, verse 72. If you find it, say amen. amen. Okay, many of you haven't found it yet. If you haven't found it, say wait for me. Okay, Psalm 78, find it. <laughs> I'll wait for you. Have you found it? Okay. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. Amen. I want to say he cared for them. That's what leaders do. Leaders care for people. And then you watch this, it says, he led them with skillful hands. You see that? In actual fact, you see that there are two things involved right there in that scripture. 
Your heart is involved. Your hands are involved. I want to say, my heart is involved. My hands are involved. Notice, he cared for them with a true heart. That speaks of integrity. And number two, he led them with a skillful or with skillful hands. That speaks of ability. I want to say integrity. integrity. Ability. ability. So a true leader must be a person of integrity and ability. Get that right? Yeah. Cannot be effective leader if you don't have integrity and if you don't have ability. In actual fact, both must come together for your leadership to be effective. You can have one and throw the other away. You can say, I'm very skillful, but I've got no integrity. You can say, I have integrity, but I have no skill. <laughs> you need both. Tell, you, tell your neighbor you need both. Very good. Amen. So, quality number one, if you want to be an effective leader, or quality number one of a, of a good leader is a leader initiates. A quality leader does what? Initiates. So a leader is one who is proactive. He doesn't wait for things to happen and then reacts. He is proactive. He sees what needs to be done and he does it. He doesn't wait for things to go south and then begin to react. So a leader is proactive, not reactionary. Did you get that? So a good leader must be proactive. He knows what needs to be done. He knows what he wants to see happen. And then he gets it done. While other leaders that are considered as average leaders expect others to do it and react when it is poorly done. So an average leader is expecting others to do it. And when it is not done right, they react. We are to be proactive, not reactive. So a leader must understand what needs to be done. And don't sit waiting for people to do it. He takes care of it. He gets it done because he knows what he wants to see. So we can say this in simple terms. That a true leader is hands-on. What's that? Oh my goodness. Prayer request falling from the sky. A true, a true leader. A true leader is hands-on. It was a hands-on. Hands-on. Very important. You see, why a true leader must be hands-on is because, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I heard this over 20, 20 something years ago. That nobody would take care of your thing like you. Fact. Fact. If you don't understand what I just said, and you turn it over to people do, who do not have the heart for it, and the skill for it, and the passion for it, I'm sorry, it will not be get done the way it should be get done. The way it should be done. 
People don't usually take care of your thing like you would. That is the reason why a true leader must be hands-on. Are you listening to me? Because the, a leader knows what he wants to do and a leader knows what needs to be done. Therefore, he has to put his hands to it and get it done. So don't forget that people, in most cases, do not do it for you like you would. Is that true? Yes. Huh? Come on, talk to me now. Is this true? Yes. Absolutely. That's why you've got to put your hands to it. Amen. Amen. Number two, a leader is a positive example. A leader is a what? It's a positive example. You, 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 I mean, I can't say this enough. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. When Jesus talked about being the light of the world, he was talking about being a good leader. He says you are a building that's on a hill that cannot be what? That cannot be hidden. He says men do not put a light under a basket. But where do they put it? They put it on the table. Why? So that it will give light to everybody in the room. So let your light. So what? Shine. Before who? Men. That they might what? See your what? Good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's leadership right there. So a leader is a positive example. Now we're talking about godly leadership. We're not talking about secular leadership. If we, if we, if we go that way, oh my goodness. There are all kinds of bad leaders that we have in different nations today. And they are leaders. But they are bad leaders. They are poor leaders. They are leaders that siphon the money of the country. Is that correct? They are leaders that take bribes and kickbacks. They are leaders that only care for themselves. They don't care for anyone else. They are leaders that hold money in, in bank accounts all over the world just for them and their family members. Is that correct? And some of the money they have kept in Western banks, they wouldn't... Even the, the entire, entire generation would not exhaust the money until Jesus returns. Now that person is a leader, but that person is not a good example. Is that correct? A godly leader is a good example. Can someone say amen? amen. You are a positive example. You are a light that shines. And people see your leadership and they give God glory. And I believe that is what needs to be seen in these last days. Poor leadership have been running rampant for so many years, even in the church. But it's time to understand that that is not the plan of God. The plan of God is that we raise up quality leaders. And everyone here is what? Talk to me. Everyone here is what? Everyone here is a leader. But we want you to be a positive example wherever you go. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Positive example, whether you're a leader in the church, positive example. Whether you're a leader at your place of work, positive example. Wherever you go to, whether you're in university, you have to be a light that shines right there in your university. 
Jesus said, Jesus said that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If people are running away from the church you attend because of you, you are a negative example. If you go to that church, I'll never go there. If that guy is a Christian, I detest being a Christian. But when people begin to say, where do you worship? They begin to ask you, where do you worship? Because your life is different. That means you are a true leader in the body of Christ. And I want to say this to you. You don't have to stand behind the pulpit before you qualify as a leader. You don't need an office before you qualify as a leader. Come on now, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. So a leader, number two, is a positive example. Praise God. Amen. Now let's look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I want to read from verse number 4. If you, if you don't mind, you can turn there. But if you just want to listen, that's fine. 1 Corinthians 8, I want to read from verse 4. It says, so what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God. And that there is only one God. I want to say there is only one God. There may be so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, I want to say for us, there is only one God. Is that true? The Father by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created. And through whom we live. However, not all believers know this. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. And we don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful. Tell your number, be careful. So that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. Are you seeing that? For if others see you with your superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, wouldn't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. <clears throat> you see that? You know, somebody said to me some years ago, you know, Pastor Godwell, I know my gauge. That's why I drink alcohol. You are sinning against Christ when you encourage those that have weak consciences to do what is wrong. So, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. 
when you read this, the context is Paul dealing with people that were involved in idol worship. And of course, the church at Corinth was surrounded with a lot of pagan activities. And so Paul had to write to them. And so Paul gives us this, this example here. That idols mean absolutely nothing to us. Why? Because we are children of God. Is that correct? We are children of God. We have been brought out of darkness and we've been placed into God's marvelous light. Colossians 1.13 says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has moved us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Say it with me. I was moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Satan does not lord it over me. I have one Lord and his name is Jesus Christ. If you believe it, shout your loudest amen. amen. That's it. That's it. So watch this now. So if I have been moved out of the kingdom of darkness, it means the devil is not my master. The devil is not my Lord. I am no more subjective to the devil's constitution. Because I no more live in the kingdom of darkness. I am now subjective to the constitution of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is my Lord and my master. So Paul is basically saying to them, idols do not have any authority, power, influence over your life. They mean absolutely nothing to us. Because we are no more connected to them. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. That is the freedom that Christ brings, whom the Son sets free. It's not partially free. Will not be free in the sweet by and by. Will not be free one day when we get to heaven, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. No, listen, listen. When Jesus Christ came into your life, Jesus Christ set you free. That amen is very weak. I don't like that. Amen. Yeah. Jesus Christ totally and completely delivered you. Amen. amen. And guess what? The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us, not will redeem us, not is redeeming us. Christ hath redeemed us. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. amen. Christ hath redeemed us from what? From the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is anyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Tell your neighbor, I was redeemed. I was redeemed. Because I was redeemed. Because I was redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. And because I am redeemed. And because I am redeemed. I am blessed. I am blessed. If you believe it, shout Hallelujah. Amen. That's, that's the Christian life. That's the way to look at it. Amen. So when Paul says idols mean absolutely nothing. Does not have any authority, any influence over the believer. You tread upon snakes and scorpions. And over all the works of the devil. Idols inclusive. None of them shall by any means hurt you. 
Is that true? We are not bound, we are free. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But Paul says, there are some that don't have this knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. So ignorance is what the enemy uses against believers. If the enemy can get you to stay ignorant about what Jesus Christ has done for you, the enemy will weep you all the time. That is where his authority over the believer comes in. And it is not because he's got authority over the believer. It is because the believer is ignorant. Because of the ignorance, the enemy will gain access. You hear some Christians pray. You see the ignorance. Because as a man thinks, so is the man. Are you listening to me? So the ignorance of the man is revealed in his words. The ignorance of the man is revealed in his acts. So because the man thinks bondage, the man prays bondage. Because the man thinks bondage, the man leaves and walks in bondage. But if the man can get to understand that he, and he has been set free, the man will walk in liberty. A couple of weeks ago, I had the church say this. And I could feel the resistance when I said, say this with me. I said, say this. I'm going to ask you guys to say it with me too. Say this with me. I'll never be sick. Oh, you guys are strong today. <laughs> when I got people to say this a couple of weeks ago, I could feel the resistance. Not everyone could say it confidently. Say one more time. I'll never be sick. I'll never be sick. In actual fact, say this way. I cannot be sick. I cannot be bound. I cannot be broke. I like that. You guys are sick. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. There is power in your words. Because your tongue is connected to your spirit. And I'm talking about kingdom dominion right now. You've got dominion. You've got to let it out. We believe, therefore we speak. He that says to this mountain, be moved. Be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt where? Does it say does not doubt in his head? No. no, it says does not doubt in his heart. You know why he says does not doubt in his heart? Because faith is in the heart. Faith is not in your head. In actual fact, your head is where doubt and unbelief resides. That is the reason why the Bible says to renew it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Faith is in your heart. So we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouths. The Bible says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. Say to me, faith, faith is in my heart. But I've got to let it come out of my mouth. Very important. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Say one more time. I cannot be sick. I cannot be bound. I cannot be broke. But some people do not have this knowledge, Paul says to us. That is the reason why he said, I decide to live in such a way where I am not a stumbling block. Where I am not a hindrance to weak believers. 
So a leader in the body of Christ must understand that the more God increases you in leadership, the more you must understand my life does not just belong to me. Did you hear me? My life does not just belong to me. The more God increases your sphere of influence, the narrower the way. Your choices are not made carelessly because your choices do not just affect you. Your choices affect many other people. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here this morning? Your choices do not just affect you. See, listen, even as a husband, I have to make the right choices. I have to make right choices. Why? Because right choices will affect my family. Whether my wife agrees or not, the decision I make will affect her. That's a fact. The decision I make will affect my my family. So that is why I must make right choices. Why? Because I've got many that are looking up to me. Is that true? Do you know that as a pastor, there are things I cannot do? There are places I cannot go to. There are things I cannot watch. There are places you, you will never see me. But some of you go. No. <laughs> no, let me leave that alone. There are places, there are places you will never see me. <laughs> she said, where? You know where. There are places, there are places I don't have the liberty to go to. I don't. Because my life does not just belong to me. First and foremost, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that live in me. The life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Because he gave himself for me, I have given myself to him. So first and foremost, my life belongs to him. Are you listening to me? And then there are people that he has put under my care. And those who desire to lead and those who desire to teach must understand that a greater judgment comes upon them. Because that which you tell people not to do, you cannot do. Is that correct? So a greater responsibility is on the one that leads. Don't be scared of being a leader now. (laughs) Because with the responsibility comes great blessing. That amen is very weak. People are now thinking, should should I be a leader? Well, whether you like it or not, you are one already. You are one already. Like I said to you last week, you are leading yourself first. If you cannot wake up right, if you cannot make the right choices about your own personal life, if you cannot manage your finance properly, if you don't know how to take care of yourself, how can you take care of other people? So first and foremost, you are a leader and you're leading yourself. And you've got to understand that since leadership begins with me, the more I grow in my ability to take care of myself and to do other things, the more God increases my ability to lead other people. 
Because I believe that God wants to increase your circle of influence. How many of you believe that? God wants to bring more people into your life. God wants to bring more people around you. So that you might influence them to the glory of God. Come on, if you believe it, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the will of God. God does not want you to be like the man, I believe it's in the book of Matthew chapter 24. The man that was given one talent. Is that correct? Well, the master called three of his servants and gave the first guy five talents. And gave the second guy two talents. And gave the third guy one talent. And the guy who got five talents, the Bible says the man went immediately and invested the talents that the master gave to him. And he got five more. The guy who got two invested and got two more. The guy who got one dug into the ground and hid the master's money. And when the master returned and asked them to give him an account of how they have used or invested what he gave to them. The guy who got five talents said, you give me five talents, but I've got five more. That's going to be your portion in Jesus' name. The guy who got two talents said, you gave me two, I've got two more. And the master said the same thing to the both of them. He said, well done. Everyone said, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful. Notice the two requirements needed for them to accomplish what the master required of them. Good and faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your Lord. The guy who got one talent brought back the talent and said, I know you like to reap where you haven't sown. In actual fact, he's now accusing the master of being a mafioso. And the master was not a mafia because that's what mafia do. Mafia would like to reap where they did not sow, right? If you don't give me, I'll break your kneecaps. That's what, that's what mafia would do. But the master is not a mafia. Come on now, say amen. amen. I know you like to reap where you haven't sown. So here is the talent you give to me. He put it in the hand of the master. And the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. Wicked and lazy. Take the one talent in his hand and give it to the one who has got ten. For those who have, more shall be given. And those who don't have, even the little they have, shall be taken away from them. Are you listening to that? So whether you like it or not, you are a leader. It's time to wake up and start using your gift and abilities and grace and what God has given to you. Because if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Tell your neighbor, if you don't use it. You will lose it. So I want you to settle this thing once and for all in your heart. That as a leader, you don't live for yourself any longer. The leader's lowest standard is the follower's highest standard. So like I said, the more God increases your circle of influence, the narrower the margin of error. What the leader do in moderation, the follower will do in excess. Are you getting that? We're talking leadership this morning. I'll tell you a quick story. This happened many years ago. I was going out visiting people. I used to do a lot of home visits back in the day. Um, and, but there was this place in TBS where I would go visit a lot of Africans then. A woman who sold booze at the time had a place where people come to, they converge, they meet, they talk, they do all kinds of things there. So I went there one day. I go there a lot. 
reaching people. Don't judge me now. Pastor, why would you go to a place where they sell booze? Well, Jesus hung out with drunkards. In actual fact, Jesus went to the home of tax collectors. I was reading this yesterday. Matthew was a tax collector. And when Jesus said to him, come and become my disciple, the Bible tells us that Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples and many other tax collectors into his house. And when Jesus was there, having a great time with them, the religious leaders got upset. Why is he hanging out with tax collectors? Now, you have to understand, tax collectors were the scum of the earth. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were the scum of the earth. Because the work of a tax collector, let me not even go into all the details on the tax collector. The work of a tax collector back then was, listen, this was a Jewish guy who was working for the Romans collecting taxes from the Jews. The Jews were under the thumbs of the Roman Empire. So if it was in our day and time, we'll call that guy a traitor. Correct? You're a sellout. Is that true? So you, a Jewish guy, collecting taxes from your own people and giving to the oppressor. You know no, but no Jewish person will like that kind of a person. Is that correct? So, but Jesus went and hung out with them and was eating with them. Jesus even went to the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a thief. Until he met Jesus. Are you listening to me? In actual fact, Zacchaeus said, everyone that I stole from, I'll pay them four times what I stole from them. And Jesus said, this day has salvation come to the house of Zacchaeus because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. So we know the purpose why Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and wine beavers. Because Jesus was called a friend of tax collector and he was also called a wine beaver. But Jesus did not drink alcohol with them. And don't tell me he turned water into booze. No, he did not. Don't tell me he turned water into intoxicating wine. No, he did not. Amen. Amen. They drank of the wine. They said, we've never, this is, this is special. This is different. This is so good. This is the best. And I guarantee you, nobody went home that day drunk. <laughs> No, listen now, listen. If, if listen, let, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this. Because this is a problem in the church. Maybe not here, but there are many people, even people that are in ministry drinking alcohol. Okay, so this is a problem. Paul said, if eating meat will cause my brother to fall, I wouldn't eat meat. There's nothing wrong in eating meat. But Paul is saying that I'm not going to do anything that will cause my brother to stumble. Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. So I'm going to put into consideration the conscience of those or the consciences of those that are weak. I'm not just living for myself. I'm a leader and I'm going to, I'm going to think like a leader. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Now, if you're not willing to rise up in leadership and you're not willing for God to bring you more people, then you can drink whatever you want. I'm not recommending, I'm just telling you, you have been drinking already, so don't look at me that way. <laughs> but if you want God to increase your leadership and your influence, you have to understand what I'm talking about this morning. Jesus would not have turned water into intoxicating wine. 
because he was in a party. It was a wedding. And if Jesus had turned water into intoxicating wine, there was no way he would have controlled those who drank. And if he couldn't control the way they drink, then he couldn't control who got drunk. Now, if you and I agree that drinking alcohol is not sin, but getting drunk is, that's what a lot of people say, right? Then Jesus must have sinned. Because you couldn't control how people drank at the wedding. I've been to some of the African, I've been to some of the African weddings here in the city. Oh my goodness. They have all kinds of crazy things on the table. And people start acting crazy because they are drunk. Because they are being taken over by another spirit. And when that spirit takes over you, I promise you that spirit is not the Holy Spirit. That spirit will cause you to do terrible stuff. Is that correct? So if Jesus truly turned water into intoxicating drink, then some people in, at the wedding must have sinned by getting drunk. And if they sinned, it means Jesus made them sin. You don't even need to be a rocket scientist to know, figure this stuff out. Jesus was the sinless Lamb of God. He did not sin, neither did he lead anyone to sin. So he couldn't have given them something that would make them sin. That's a fact. And someone say amen. amen. So I was sitting there in the restaurant and just talking to the people there. We're just having a time of, you know, I, like I said, I used to do a lot of visits. You know, I'll visit and spend time with people. I'll go from house to house to house to house to house. I go from office to office to office to office, visiting people, spending time with them, you know, ministering, preaching the gospel, discipling, answering people's questions. They knew I was a pastor. So I sat there, and as I was sitting there, somebody offered to buy me uh, a pack of apple juice. I said, okay, of course. I'll accept your gift. So the guy buys me a pack of apple juice, and I pour it in the, in the cup, in the glass. Now, if apple juice in a glass looks like beer. So I put it in a glass, and it took the pack away. So there I was, sitting with, sitting with all these drinkers, and I was sitting there, like Jesus, and I... <laughs> And I wasn't drinking their stuff. I was drinking my apple juice. Just sipping away my apple juice. And suddenly, I want to say suddenly, a young man walked into the place. The guy was not there when they bought me the pack of apple juice. When he walked into the place, he sat almost opposite me. And was watching. I didn't even know he was looking at me. To be honest with you, I did not know the, who the guy was. But how I many of you know that in leadership, you may not know people, but they know you. Yeah. Be careful what you do. Be careful where you go. People are watching. Today I was sitting and just sipping away my apple juice. And the guy couldn't hold it back. And he said to me, Pastor, do you drink? 
That was when it dawned on me. Oh my goodness. All this while I did not recognize that apple juice in a cup looks like beer. All these other guys were drinking beer. I was drinking apple juice, but it all looks the same. Just that my apple juice had no bubbles, but it looked like beer. And so I said to the man, please, hey, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. This is not beer. This is apple juice. And I had to convince him. He said, okay. So I was able to convince him. Here is what I took away from that. What if the guy did not say a word? He would have assumed I was drinking beer with other people. Yeah, and then guess what? He would have gone out of that place and he would have said, they are all the same. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot determine how people process what you do. You can't. So the leader has got a very high standard. That is why there are places you cannot go to. Listen, some people say, it's my life. I can do whatever I want with it. You are not ready for leadership. And it is this mentality. It is my life. I can do whatsoever I want. That is why they are not being raised up and God can use them to do more. Because they think it is their own life. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. Hey, in leadership, you're going to care. You will care what people say. You will care what people think. Because the life is not just your life. First and foremost, it is God's life. And also understand that God wants other people to be led by you. And because you do not have the quality to lead them, the integrity to lead them, God will not bring them to you. You have a lot of people praying, God, use me. God, increase my sphere of influence. How can God use you or increase your sphere of influence when you are not taking responsibility regarding these things? One of the major leadership crises in the world we live today is leadership without character. Fact. A leader must be a person of character. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. Amen. Key number three, a leader is first and foremost a follower. You are first and foremost, anyone who can follow can't lead. Get that. Humility is one of the watchwords of a great leader. I told the example of how Jesus took a basin, put water into it, and Jesus began to wash the feet of the disciples. Is that correct? And when Jesus was done washing the feet of the disciples, Jesus said, you call me master and Lord. You are correct. But if I, your master and Lord, wash your feet, you ought to do the same for others. So we see humility displayed by Jesus. Any leader who is full of himself, full of herself, cannot be effective. Are you listening to me? You can only command authority when you are submitted to authority. The centurion knew this. Jesus, don't come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be well. Because I am a man under authority. I say to my soldier, go and he goes. And I say, come and he comes. And I know that if you say it, spirits will move and get things done. Because you are also a man of authority. 
So the man understood authority. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And this man was not a Jew. So this man was not a Jew. But he had an understanding of authority. Because he knew that if I would operate in authority, I have to submit to authority. Are you listening to me? Listen, you are first and foremost a follower before you are a leader. And if you don't wholeheartedly follow, you cannot have people follow you wholeheartedly. Because the seed you put in the ground is the harvest you're going to get. Don't deceive yourself and don't think you can mock God. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. I know we use that scripture and we talk about money, but I've got, I want you to understand it is not just about money. Whatsoever means whatsoever. That is the Greek word. Whatso <laughs> Some of you will get that next month. Whatsoever a man puts in the ground, whatsoever a man sows, that, not something else, that, I want to say that, that, that he shall reap. That is if I'm a wholehearted follower of a leader that God has placed over my life, it means I'm also going to reap the harvest of people that are wholeheartedly following my leadership. Are you getting this? Now, I talked about Judas Iscariot, who was on the staff and ministry of the greatest leader, Jesus Christ. Correct? The man was a thief. The man was stealing money. From Jesus' treasury. He did what we refer to as help thyself ministries international. <laughs> he was helping himself with the money that people gave into the ministry of Jesus. But Jesus just kept showing him mercy and grace. That wants the mercy and grace. Mercy. What is grace? Undeserved favor. What is mercy? God holding back from you what you deserve. That's the difference. You see, that's the difference. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is God holding back what you deserve. Did you get that? So, did you get that? Good? Uh-huh. Awesome. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. That's why we say grace is God's undeserved favor. But mercy is God holding back what you deserve. You deserve death. God didn't give you death. That's mercy. You deserve poverty. God says, no, I'm not giving you poverty. I'll give you riches. God held it back. Like the story of the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And when they brought her to Jesus, they said, Master, according to the law of Moses, she deserves what? To be stoned to death. What do you say? What did Jesus say? The Bible said Jesus stooped, stooped down and began to write on the ground. And then Jesus lifted up his head and said, He that hath no sin, let him first stone the woman to death. And everyone left from the eldest to the youngest. Nobody could cast any stone on the woman. And when they all left, Jesus said to the woman, Woman, where are your accusers? The woman said, There are nobody here to accuse me. And Jesus said, Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. The only one that had the authority and the moral right to accuse the woman was who? But Jesus did not. So mercy is God holding back what you deserve, not giving it to you. So here is Judas Iscariot messing up. Jesus did not give him what he deserved. 
And that is the most dangerous place to be. When God holds mercy. I mean holds back judgment. A lot of people don't understand that even in this dispensation of grace. They need to live right. Because grace for many has become the big cover for sin. Paul said, shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. He said, God forbid. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live therein any longer? Don't you know? Do you not know? See, people don't know. That's ignorance. They don't know. You cannot continue living like that. Because if you keep living like that, you're going to self-destroy yourself. You're going to destroy yourself. Self-destruct. You're going to destroy yourself. God does not want you to destroy yourself. And so God just kept giving grace, grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. And guess what happened to Judas Iscariot? At the communion table, the Bible said the devil entered into him. A leader must first and foremost be a follower. Wholehearted follower. Committed. Like I talked about, I talked about uh, the difference between faithfulness and what? Loyalty. Loyalty is another level. The vision may not be your vision, but you live as if it's yours. You take responsibility over the vision because you think it, you believe it's yours. Though it's not yours. You're not a visionary. Number four, a leader is punctual. Quality of a leader. A leader is what? Okay. Time is a commodity. Tell your neighbor time is money. <laughs> Don't waste it. Invest it. So if anyone that's in your life right now is not adding value, to your life. Sometimes you hear people say, hey, come, let us spend some time together. I don't spend time. I don't spend time with anybody. I invest time. Oh, Pastor God, don't you go on vacation with your wife? We do, but we go there to invest time. Because when I spend, when I invest time in her, the time we spend is going to be a blessing back to me. It's going to be a blessing to our, our marriage, our relationship. Come on now, say amen. amen. Number five, a leader keeps his word. The Bible says in Psalm 15 verse 4, they make firm commitments and follow through even at great cost. They make what? Firm commitment and they do not back off. They follow through even at great cost. So a leader keeps his word. Come on now, say amen. amen. Number six. Are you getting anything today? Yes. Number six. A leader is secure. A leader is secure. A secure leader does not force people to follow. They invite them to follow. When you are secure, you don't force anybody. And by the way, let me also say this. When you are securing your leadership, nobody is a threat to you. So a leader who is secure releases power. A leader who is insecure keeps power. Because he thinks or she thinks if I give it, they will grow better than I do. 
They'll take my place. No, nobody takes your place. You are unique. I say you are special. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. You have a special, unique gift that's different from what God gives to the other person. So don't be afraid. So a secure leader is not afraid. Insecurity is one of the biggest problems in leadership. So an insecure leader wants to put everybody down. Wash my shoes. Kiss my ring. <laughs> See, a secure leader is not afraid to release power. Are you listening to me? That's why in, in politics, these politicians don't like to release power. Some of them want to die on, on, on the throne. Is that true? When, when election time comes around, they start campaigning and promising you all kinds of things. And people still go ahead and vote for them. I'll do this for you. I'll do, no, no. All they, all they want is your vote. All they want is your vote. Most of them. They just want your vote. That's not the way the church should operate. Leaders don't use people. Leaders empower people. That amen is very weak. Amen. Leaders empower people. Le Listen, everyone must rise up. Everyone must, ri everyone must rise up to the place where God wants them to rise up to and accomplish the things that God wants them to accomplish. Nobody is a threat to you. Come on now, say amen. amen. See, when you are securing your leadership, when this brother does well, you want to help him do better. This brother is not a threat to me because, oh, what if he does well? He's going to be the, the main man. No, listen. Everyone is the main man. Everyone is the main woman. In the eyes of God, David said, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on now, say amen. There is no room for competition. There is no room for comparison. Amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Say this with me. I am a secure leader. I'm not, I'm not afraid to have others rise up, others and, rise do up. and do big things. And I want to declare over each of you today, you are going to do big things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you shout amen, then you are the one I'm talking to. Amen. If your amen is the loudest, it's going to happen to you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. An insecure leader takes things personally. Don't take things personally. Nothing must be taken personally. You like my preaching? Praise God. You don't like my preaching? Find another church. Not, not my problem. If you know what I'm talking about. You have to be secure in what God has given to you. Don't take anything personally. Well, they said this about me. They said my message of last week was not very good. Who cares? And I'm not trying to preach you to sleep here. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to preach you to sleep. I mean, I'm, I just have to deliver the message the way the Lord leads me. There are days where I spit, run around. I feel like I want to do a backflip. And there are days where I just talk to people. Today, you've come into a service where I'm just talking to people teaching the Bible. 
giving you instructions, giving you wisdom. Amen. 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 There are days I preach because there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Amen. Today I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. So if that anointing to preach kicks in, I'll preach. But people need to hear what I'm talking about today because, listen, a lot of times, you know, people leave the service and they totally forget everything the man of God said. But I guarantee you, what you're hearing this morning will never leave you. Amen. And I know some of you are getting, you're probably not getting everything, but you're getting something. Yes. You're going to walk out of this place and you're going to say to yourself, I will increase in my ability. Amen. And I will be the best leader that God wants me to be. Amen. There is no room for competition. If my brother is increasing, I will support him. I will not fight him. I will not be envious of his success. Amen. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. No insecurity. And if you are struggling with insecurity, Pastor Corey just said he's coming. Get ready. God's going to set you free. Because really, insecurity, it's a, as a result of what happened to people. Some people are insecure because of what happened in the family when they were growing up. Some people are insecure because of what happened to them in school. There's always a reason why people are insecure. But God wants to heal that aspect of your soul so that you are not insecure, but you are secure. And you begin to draw your identity from who you are in Christ. Not who you are in the secular world. Not whether this person likes you or not. I've said this over and over again, and I want it to resonate in your heart and in your mind today. What I care about is not what people say. What I care about is what he says. If God is impressed, that is it for me. Because men might praise you, but if God does not, it's a waste of time. It's useless. Who cares what people say when God approves of me? And I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. I'm just saying to you, it's time for some of you to get rid of all these things that people say to you that have helped, really, not helped really. It has formed this narrative of yourself. You cannot allow people to, to form a narrative of you. The word of God says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the head, not the tail. Above, not beneath. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on now, say amen. amen. You're a child of God. You're not a child of the devil. Come on, say amen. amen. And so, let the word of God shape the way you think about yourself. Who are you? Who are you? You're not a scum of the earth. You're not this worm that's wiggling on the ground that can accomplish nothing. They told you back in your country you, you can never achieve anything good. Don't let that define your life. God has a great plan for you. God has a great purpose for you. And everything that's been spoken against your life, I decree in Jesus' name, they will not follow you anymore from today. It is time for each of you to rise up and accomplish all that God placed you upon the earth to accomplish. And great things lie inside of you. And you will rise up and you shall accomplish them in Jesus' mighty name. Now feel the preaching coming on. Everything that God placed on the inside of you shall come to pass. 
and all the negativities that's been spoken over your life in the name that is above every other name by the blood of Jesus Christ I declare they are cancelled from today oh pastor God you don't know the way I was raised when they gave birth to me, my mother dropped me and I hit my head on, my, on the ground. And for that reason, I've been affected since then. Listen, it's over. Amen. It's over. If a man is in Christ, it's a new creation. Amen. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen. Oh, Pastor God, you don't understand. We were raised in abject poverty. And for that reason, that's, the way I, that's why I live the way I live and talk the way I talk. It's time to come out of poverty because we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was so very rich, but for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Amen. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You are free from the past. Amen. It is time to live in the purpose and in the plan of God for your life. Amen. And you will do all that God placed you upon the earth to do. Amen. The devil will not be able to stop you. Amen. If you believe it, shout your loudest amen. amen. Can anybody de- define your life? You're tall. You're too tall. Okay? What's your business with that? God made me tall. You're too short. What's your business with that? God loved tall people and God loved midgets too. Amen. You're too skinny. Okay? You're too chubby. Okay? None of your business. None of your business. You're white. You're too white. <laughs> you're black. Oh my God, you're very black. Tell them black is beautiful. Amen. Praise God. You're Turkish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you Nigerians. You Nigerians. Somebody said that to me. Listen, don't say stuff like that to people. You Nigerians. Come, let me slap you. Oh, man, you guys from Uganda. Listen, everyone is different. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Say this with me, I'm a, sp- I'm a child of God. Amen. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. That makes you totally different from every other Ugandan. Yes. Is that true? Yes. That makes you totally different from every other Nigerian. Amen. Is that true, Pastor Priscilla? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> that makes you different from every other Chadian. Is that true, my brother from Chad? Yes. That makes you different from, from every other Benin, right? But what do you call that? Someone from Benin? Beninese. 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 <laughs> I feel like speaking in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you different from every other Syrian. Amen. 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 Praise God. Where are you guys from? Canada. Canada. That makes you different from every other Canadian. Amen. Amen. I know where you're from. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say yours. <laughs> that makes you different from every other South African. Amen. Every other Rwandan. Right? 
Praise God. Oh, here are my Filipino sisters. You're all different, special, unique. Great vessels in the hands of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Yeah. Baby shouting hallelujah in the back. Last but not least, I'll finish with this. A leader leads. Just as the name denotes leadership, it means people should be following you. Leadership means people should be following you. If you are leading and there is no one following you, you are just taking a walk. <laughs> I'm a leader where nobody's following you. Uh, no, you're not. You're just taking a walk. You continue taking a walk. Just keep strolling down the road. Nobody's following you. A leader leads. Come on now, say amen. amen. A leader is not one who bosses everyone around. He is the one who shows everyone around how to do it before delegating it. Very important. Oh, pick that chair up. Lift that up. Go buy the supply from the store. A leader shows how it's done before delegating it. You seeing that? He shows. So notice Jesus never told the disciples to do anything he has not done. John 14, 12. What does he say? He that believes in me, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do. So he does it first before he tells you to do it. Come on now, say amen. The works that I do shall he do, and even greater work shall he do because I go to my Father. So a leader does not tell you to do something without first showing you how it's done. Praise God. Because this is not secular leadership. We're not talking about secular leader. We're not talking about the pyramid scheme. We're talking about a leader in the body of Christ that lifts people up. Not a leader in the body of Christ that puts people under his feet or under her feet and commands everybody to do his bidding. Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came and laid his life down. Come on now, say amen. Greater love has no one than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. That's leadership. Come on now, say amen. The Bible says that he was equal with God, but he humbled himself and he went to the cross and he died. And because of that, God has highly exalted him and given unto him a name that is above every other name. That at the mention of the name Jesus, every knee would bow of things in heaven, of things in the earth, of things beneath the earth. And every tongue will confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus is Lord. When did he get this place of dominion and this name invested into him? To where everything bows. When was this name invested? See, when you humble yourself and you do what Jesus did, you will be exalted. Amen. And honestly, you don't make people serve you. People serve you because they see your leadership. They see, uh, we, listen, people are not stupid. People see your leadership and say, oh, wow, I can follow that. I can submit under that. I can learn from that. Can someone shout hallelujah? 